Chell, I have a question for you today. My question is actually a question from a listener, Sarah, one of our Patreon supporters. She said, how do you tackle information writing with your students? In fifth grade, it's one we need to hit, but I wonder how Craft and Draft fits into that. How do you develop and hit different genres that are required while also giving students choice and drive forward? So, Miss Ochoa, how do we do this? We've, we've answered this question in, a, in, a, in a, a few different ways on the podcast, so I figured it would be a nice way to start this off for anyone who may have missed those, but specifically for Sarah, who wants this question answered. So how do you tackle information writing? How does this work within Craft and Draft in your classroom? Well, um, information is something that I think students kind of have difficulty with, especially in reading it. I think we've discovered that. Um, you know, it's not it's not set up in story form, and so because of that, it's it makes it difficult. However, uh, I do think that they do believe uh, need to have choice first, and so I provide several different opportunities for them to investigate things that they are already that they already know that they are interested in. I do a lot of conferencing. Uh, again, I've shared this many times. I'm I'm I like to have the students list. So I provide different ways that they can list. So I first look at my standards and I try to figure out what is it that I am supposed to make sure these students can do when we are finished with this part of the curriculum. And um, so they need to be able to express themselves and be able to uh, find examples. They need to be able to provide a little bit of research, things like that. But I have been known in the past to accidentally uh, give them a topic and then tell them this was like when I first started teaching. Uh, and then you, I give them like this format and say, you have to do this. You have to write this first, you know, then you have to write this second and then you have to use, you know, uh, then and what follows and then in conclusion. And that I have learned is just not workshop. It does not allow for them to do their own thinking. So what I do is I start with ideas that they like. I might ask, I might do a uh, a listing one day where it's like, list all the things you're interested in. And now share with each other what you're interested in. If you want to borrow from somebody else because you didn't think of it and you thought, oh, I do like that too, then go ahead and, and include it. Uh, you could also have the students interview each other to help them find uh, things that they're interested in. Uh, also, another day I might have them list. And well, then what they'll do is they'll pick something and write about it. But then the next day, I will have them do something like, uh, what do you do after school? What are things that you and your family like to do? What are, where are the places you like to go? Things like that. List all of those. And I'll give them some type of way for them to list. And then they share and then they pick one and write about it. And what they're doing when they're writing about it, they're just seeing what they already know. Uh, then the next day I might say, write about something you have a strong opinion about. And so I might list, you know, different things. We might investigate uh, something we could, I could always open it up to uh, things that we have read because during this time for reading, I'm trying to give them as much um, 
non uh, or informational text as possible. So if something like that, I might have them go back and look at some of the readings we've done. Is there anything that you read that you want to go and learn more about? Uh, anything you want to write about? And so uh, they might list and, and do things like that. So once they have about four or five pieces of writing, uh, in the middle of, at some point, my mini lessons uh, will be about the elements that you find in informational text. So we will pick one, we'll look at it, we'll look over it. Uh, students will pick out the fact that there are pictures, there's captions. Uh, I've also been done an eight-page book. I think this last year, I did an eight-page book with the students. And on the eight page, I just pretty much told them what uh, part of it is. So like we'll investigate first, and then I give them the eight-page book, and then they have to write um, headings and then they have to write subheadings and then and they're doing all that in their notes. Then I say, go back into one of your pieces of writing and find some things like this that you can add to your writing. So now they'll pick one that they want to take to test grade or pick one they want to take to publishing, depending on uh, what it is I'm doing. And so what they'll do then is they will uh, start to add. So on the left side of their book, on the left side of their draft book, that's where they might add, I'm going to put a picture here of this and I'll go and research and do some stuff. And, and uh, I need to add an example. I need to add some facts. I need to add. And so they're doing that on the left side. And then I'll have them start typing it up for, uh, of course, uh, typing up for their final draft uh, if I want it typed or whatever it is I want them to do. So pretty much that I've been pretty successful with that. Not only that, it shows, you know, I, I, I blend it with the, with the informational articles and things like that. And then we imitate and we compare and contrast and share with each other. And then of course I conference all the time while we're doing that. I hope that answered her question. I think it did. And I have a follow-up, but first I'm going to intro the episode for everyone who is here. This is Crap the Draft. Ladies and gentlemen, that is Pamela Cho. I'm Jacob Chastain. We are two English teachers down here in the state of Texas. Just talking about reading and writing workshop. Loving it. We teach at the same school. We do the same system, craft and draft, and we talk all the time about this stuff. This is what we do. So if you love talking about reading, writing workshop, or learning more about it, you are in the right spot. This is what we do here every single week. Uh, And one of the other things that is something that you guys can do is check out all of our other episodes. I want to invite you. We have a lot of episodes. We cover a lot of ground on these podcasts. Uh, And there's a lot. And if we haven't covered something, you can message us to get your questions read on the air, just like Sarah did. And we'll have another one of Sarah's questions to talk about in just a second. But And you can DM us anywhere you want. You can go to craftdraftworkshop.com. What? Craftdraftworkshop.com to do that as well. And you could contact us directly on Patreon and get your questions to the front of the line, just like Sarah, Amy, Mark, Leah, Brandy, and Alicia do because they support us over there. Thank you for supporting this podcast. Again, we couldn't do it without you. It really does help us. If you do not want to support us on Patreon, you can support us by subscribing and or leaving a review of the podcast. Those help just as much and sharing with everyone that you know. Tweet this out, put it on Instagram, put it on Facebook, share it with your PLC and your PLNs, whatever you have at your fingertips, and uh, we'll call it a day. You can just support us that way. But in this episode, everyone, we're talking about 
publishing. Now, more specifically, what we're talking about is we're talking about the the different ways that we can kind of use authentic publishing reasons to drive student achievement, drive student engagement, drive student uh, work in the classroom, and really set a, a goal and focus for the entire uh, workshop focus, right, to get us really aiming at the right goal. So we're going to be diving into a lot of that. And this was actually inspired by something that was brought to uh, myself over there on Facebook, which I'll talk about in a minute. But ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Crafting Draft. All righty, Miss Ochoa. Now I wanted to, to follow up real quick, get, get through the intro, but I wanted to say that, so I have seen, you and I have both seen, but I have seen and have done the whole thing of you bring kids in to this intro lesson of informational you give them a list of qualities, right? Subheadings, pictures, titles, all of this stuff. And then you have an identify lesson almost, right? Um, now, I liked what, how you kind of set what you set up, which was essentially put the writing first and then go in and kind of find how you can add some of these other elements in there. I thought it was just a I think it's a good twist. It, 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 it you kind of get best of both worlds. You have the the part of identifying what people do to do this. Now I think you could probably do it at any level of the lesson, but I like the idea of, hey, let's write about what we want to write about. Okay, now let's look at an article. Oh, this has subheadings. Could our piece use subheadings? Oh, this has pictures. Could our piece use pictures? I think it's such a. I think it's the, literally the, one of the smallest tweaks, and yet it's a genius one. I am definitely stealing that one because I've I've never done it that way. Um, but I just think that was good, so I wanted to double down on that. Do you? I, I mean, I imagine you see some success with it that way. I guess because it, it kind of gets the writing out of the way, correct? Well, it does. And the thing is, is what I want the students to know is that they are writers already. And so if they've already written things, and that's why we want to, things that they are interested in, if they've already written stuff out and it's got them in it already, then this other stuff is a lot easier uh, for them to do because now they have a purpose or a reason to want to make their piece better because it's their piece to begin with. It's not a piece that I've made them do. It's not a prompt that I've given them. It's, I mean, it's really, truly free choice. One of the things that uh, I have done in the past that was, I think, a fail. And, and I'm not, I don't want to disparage anybody at all. This it's, it was definitely a fail for me. I've seen teachers be successful this way, but it's where they give them a list and they have to choose off that list. My problem with that is, and I've done it. So, I mean, everything that I say, that you shouldn't do. I've already tried it for right. the most part. So, uh, but anyway, the thing is, is, is when they give them a list and say, okay, pick off of this, it's still your list. It's not their list. So I want them to create the list. I want them to pick what they really want to write about. And then I want to sponsor that. So I do find success in that because now we look and we see, oh, this writer wanted to write about this. What made them want to write about that? Oh, they use this, like you said. Can we use that in our piece? So, uh, and I, you know, and they have a list of different things that we've tried, a list of different things that we see. The students have kept up with it. It's interesting. I can I can uh, start to say, uh, we did something just the other day. And I said, what should we have here? And they were, ha they were struggling a little bit with 
uh, why does the author use different pictures? You know, I think you, we kind of talked about that pictures and graphics and my students still have a little bit of an issue with that, but it was funny as I said, well, how, what do we do? I mean, what, how are ways that we can support our ideas? And uh, I said, remember when we learned that list and informational text and all of a sudden they started saying, oh, statistics, examples, oh, illustrations, oh. And I mean, so they have it. It's a matter that they need to know they can use it. And so the more we give them opportunities to use what we've taught them, the more they're going to internalize it. And then it'll just be theirs. That's another one about the, you know, still having choice of you know, and letting them jot down things and everything. I mean, it's just like, it's just these small tweaks, right? Like it's not, Mm -hmm. it really doesn't take a lot of effort. All honestly, what happens, it just takes just looking at the assignment differently, looking at what we do just a little bit different, right? And just kind of Mm -hmm. step back and going, do I really have to pick these things? Right. And now kids are going to make bad decisions about topics like topics that can't go anywhere topics that are hard to research or write about or whatever but that's a part of the writing process i mean you and i know this from working on our various projects or uh just existing in general is that sometimes you sit down to write and you're like this idea sucks right and you're just like this isn't going anywhere i need to change my angle change whatever i'm doing um and that's what that's what the process is about so it has to be you know, as much as curriculum drives us and as much as trying to hit the the proper milestones or whatever, we we kind of have to trust the process. And that means there's going to be some floundering. That means there's going to be some failure, not grade-wise, but just failure in starting or finishing and stuff like that. And we just kind of have to be safe with that. But this leads us to um, our next question, believe it or not. So Sarah actually sent in two and she's getting the special treatment today. This is what happens when you are a patron, ladies and gentlemen. Sometimes we just hone in on what you want to talk about because uh, <laughs> it's what we love to do. But so her second question, um, by the way, Sarah is a fifth grade teacher, so we can just keep that in mind and also the audience keep that in mind. But she said, how do you get students to the publishing point of writing. My students get so creative and excited and sometimes never get to the end point. How do you respect their writer's process while also meeting deadlines? And so here is, I'm going to, I want to marry these two, Miss Ochoa. I want to marry that question with our general topic of the show, which is the, the, how do we focus uh, publishing goals, right? What are, what are authentic publishing goals um, that we can incorporate? And this question was, I, w- I want to honor where this came from because I think it's an interesting look at some of this. So I was on Teach Me Teacher and I had shared a conversation I had with um, a student and they were, they had like walked in and they're like, uh, Mr. Chastain, is this, or they go, Hey, Chastain, is my piece going to make the wall? I really loved blank. This is my best. And my point of sharing that was like, kids will, de- they want to write, they want to do this if we set up the right parameters. And Natalie, friend of the show, uh, her question was, um, if they're only writing to make the wall or something similar, uh, are they just writing to impress the teacher? And I just thought this was a really good question because it's something that I've never been asked uh, in term when I've shared, you know, why I put writing pieces on the wall. Um, and I just thought it was a really thoughtful idea. So we're going to marry all of this in a big, we're going to, we're going to combine all this in a big pot and, uh, and see where we go. So I don't know when you think publishing 
Um, what is it that comes to mind for authentic reasons? And I mean, is if I mean, if we're speaking broadly, is is turning in a paper for a grade authentic, or is that the epitome of non-authentic? What defines an authentic publishing purpose? Well, um, good question. Thank you for asking them. I'm thinking about the answer right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's the thing. I even asking that, I'm like, I don't know. I mean, I we can know. we can work through this because in my head, yeah. right? I think I think the the jump to of this, I suppose, is we when we say authentic, right? I think our we go pie in the sky, right? We're like, oh yeah, kids writing because they want to write and it's their topics and it's their pieces and their genres and they're working tirelessly to create these wonderful pieces, right? And that does happen. I've had it happen several times every single year with a few students, but let's be real. We're still school. It's still a classroom. Kids are still having to be in there. Not everyone in your classroom is obsessed with writing as much as you want them to be. So that's kind of like pie in the sky. So when we think that, but I don't think that's the only uh, authentic thing. I think there's a lot of authentic reasons why um, why someone would publish in the first place. And I was just kind of thinking about my own life. I was like, you know, when I when I was writing as a kid, I don't know. Have I shared on this? I, th- I think I have on the podcast where like I used to like write like these short little – I used to cut out – paper to make it the size of like a paperback novel and I would staple it together and I would write like in like to copy like Lord of the Rings. That was like my idea. I've shared that before, right? Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I would do that. But so then I was really writing for, I was writing for myself, but I would write to like show other people. Right. And when kids do that, they write a story, they hand it to you. They're like, Oh, here. Right. Especially if they're excited about it. It's because they want approval. So I think we write for approval, but we also write to, reflect. We were right. We write to communicate. We write to protest. We write to advocate. We write to uh, get a grade. We write to pass a class. We write to ask a question, right? There's so many reasons. And I'm like, if I think what defines it isn't necessarily the goal so much. Well, I, well hang on. Let me back up. I don't, I don't know where I was going with that. I was going to say what what defines an authentic purpose, I think, is driven by who sets the goal, not the goal itself. I, I think that's where I'm currently sitting on this fence, and I'm not exactly sure what fence I'm on. But And to clarify that, I mean, so if I say, you're going to write this because you are going to try to convince the principal to change a school rule, right? Like, so we're doing persuasive writing. And that's the assignment I've created. You're going to try to convince the school to change a rule, right? I have now, even though that might be an authentic reason, it's no longer authentic because I have given them the reason itself, right? But if we were writing persuasive and one kid was writing one to try to convince kids that mint chocolate chip is the best ice cream, one was trying to change a school rule, and one was trying to get people to recycle more, those are authentic. Even though I have set the boundary of right persuasive, they're setting their individual goals and thus being driven by what the end result that they want. How do you feel about that? How do you feel about that thinking? <laughs> I don't have any problems with it. Uh, I do think that uh, 
authenticity really does start with the student choice. I really do. I think it starts at the beginning uh, when they are allowed to uh, figure out what it is they want to write about and why they want to write about it. And I think that's what you're talking about with the goals. And I think as a teacher, what we need to do is show them all the possibilities. So I think I think that um, giving specific lessons about publishing, but I might not do that at the beginning. I might do that, you know, at first it may go just to the teacher because that, you know, that's the deadline. That's, that's that, um, giving them, getting them in the practice. But I think before the year is over, I think it would be, um, really neat to teach the students all about publishing. How does someone get published? And somebody like you, Mr. Chastain, who has been published, you know, and I think that's why teachers need to try to at least be published if they can, or at least go through all the processes that it takes to get there. I think because what happens is they have a deeper understanding about being published and the potential heartbreak or the potential wonderful moment, you know, that you've been discovered, all of those things are important, being rejected, not being rejected, being accepted. And so um, I think if you can show the students all the possibilities. So one of the things that I like to do when, um, when I'm not pressured for all these tests and stuff these days, but one of the things that I have done in the past and I do like to do, and that is, show the students who's publishing and see if they can actually look for places to publish their work. So they've gone through all these processes. They've done, um, you know, they've got it started. We're about to start finishing it. And there's a point in time where it's, you say, so where do you think you could publish your piece? Let's see if we can help each other. So I've done this where I put, um, you know, a big poster paper on the wall or, you know, on my board that I have in the back. And then the students, when they look over, they start looking for things. And then they actually keep a, a list of possibilities. Uh, people who are, who are uh, actually accepting work from students. It could be uh, competitions. It could be uh, driven by the local newspaper or the local you know, uh, student magazine, or uh, I had one student, I think two years ago, she, everything she did, she was actually, she had already created a blog. And so everything she did was all about publishing on that blog, but it was still publishing. It might've been self-publishing, but it was still a type of publishing. She was writing for, no longer for herself, but moving what's about herself and moving it out to the public. And to me, the minute that the student starts doing that and they get to choose the public that they want to write about, then I, I think that's true authenticity. I don't necessarily think, though, that if a student is writing to put something on the wall, to make the wall, I, I don't think that that's not authentic. I think it is authentic because if that is their goal, that's where they are at that point in time. And if they want to get themselves on the wall, then they're going to write better. They're going to write with purpose. They're going to uh, really pay attention to why they're doing the writing and they're going to make tweaks and and editing com you know, improvements and revisionary improvements and all of that to make it on the wall. I don't know how that's not authentic if you have um as a teacher, not completely taken over their piece and said, 
well, it's got to be like this, and you have to write about this, and you need to start with the word first, and then your second paragraph has to have second, right. you know, and then followed up by in conclusion. And I think when we start telling them what to think, I think that's when it no longer becomes authentic. Yeah. And it's, I think what keeps it authentic too is they're not everyone wants to make the wall. I have kids that don't want their stuff on there because it's very personal, right? Or if they do, they want me to take their name off of it or they put anonymous or something like that. And that way I know who it is, but no one else does. And they will. So it's, it's, that's, that's just one kind of, uh, point that I've done. Right. And you, you were talking about like, you know, different ways to publish and kind of using that. And I think that's kind of the interesting thing is looking at our class, right. And maybe for Sarah or whoever is listening to this and they're trying to get kids closer and closer to publishing, getting them close to closing out, you know, taking like really excited fifth graders and actually giving them an end point, which is, uh, you know, I think one way to do that, and I have a few other ideas, but I think one way is to kind of set, look at your classroom and go, how many ways can we publish? How many ways are we honoring the different ways that students write, right? And so I think the one way for me is the wall, but like my grade book is one too. Kids know that they get a grade for writing. It is a part of the process. I have kids that write a lot because I set a publishing goal of two pieces a six weeks, but... I say you can continuously write until you get the grade you get or to the grade that you want, right? And some kids are comfortable with 70s. Some kids literally, if they like, like, sometimes they'll be like, they'll make a 70 on a test so it brings down their average. And they'll be like, well, I need to write three more pieces or whatever. And they'll kind of, they'll work to do that. So that's that's another authentic way because they, they get rewards for it that way. I also have kids that write a lot and publish very little because they just, they know that they can do that. They can sit in my class and write about what they're thinking or whatever, and then slowly kind of figure out either what they want to do with that. So I think that's a third way. Um, uh, another one that we do is when we do share with one another, just kind of like our writing, which I've been trying to do more if they're sh- sharing in their journal there. That's another reason, right? Cause if they know they're going to be sharing. Um, and this is stuff that we talk about in my classroom. We talk about, you know, what are the, what are, what are the reasons why um, we write it all, right? Uh, it's, it's one of the questions that I talk about a lot and why I think I'm so passionate about the writing side of workshop is we, we, we talk endlessly about the reading side just as, a, as an educational community, right? Everyone's always focused on reading. And that's no, this is also driven by state standards and the government focus and everything else, right? I mean, they decided a long time ago, math and reading were the two most important things on the planet and ignoring how everything else kind of works into all of this. But digressions aside, um, I'm a, I'm so obsessed with this writing thing because we own, we usually only use writing as a, as a means to interact with other content, write about your thought process, write a reflection here. What do you think this is? But writing is more than those things. It is those things, but writing is correspondence. Writing is reflection. Writing is thinking. Writing is protesting. It's all of these things that I mentioned earlier. And I think if we, the more we can open that up, right? The more that we can look at our classroom and say, how many ways am I honoring student work? How many ways am I allowing them to publish? How many goals am I allowing them to pick? Because if their only goal is to get your approval, then yeah, that's really not authentic. If the only goal is to get a hundred or an A or whatever, it's not really authentic either. And I think sometimes, especially for the older grades, 
um, that's what writing becomes. It becomes turn in this essay, right? It becomes mm-hmm. do this. It, it loses any sense of authentic purpose because it's so strictly tied down. Now, am I saying you can never strictly tie down? Of course not. We, we talk about all the time the realities of teaching and the realities of just working within a system that demands certain things like curriculum. If you have a very strict curriculum that wants you to write very specific things, that is going to rob some of that away. But I think you can soften that. You can still have these other, you can have that purpose that's kind of driven by your district or your campus or whatever, but also keep some of these other ones open. One of the things that I think we talked about um, back in all October of like last year, so probably like 50 episodes ago or something, I know we, I talked about, uh, I had this idea to just to set up an e, like a, uh, a scary story writing contest. Remember this? I do. And it was, I didn't force everyone to do it. Mm-hmm. I gave everyone kind of the handout and I said, Hey, if you want to do a scary, a scary story reading contest, cause on, on Halloween, I just wanted to read stories or whatever. And I was like, Oh, let's let them write them. I don't want to pick random stories. So I let them write them. I put them all in a thing. I gave them a soft deadline that said, Hey, it needs to be turned in by here. And, uh, we'll read them out loud and then we'll vote. And then the ones that vote will win prizes. Right. So like a little writing contest, the same thing you're talking about. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think I only had like 12 students do it, but the rest got to participate because they got to read them and kind of do this. And the 12 that got to do that, that was very authentic because I wasn't the one grading them. They got to see in real time because we read them in class, people's reactions. They also got to kind of giggle at themselves if they didn't, uh, polish stuff up enough. Uh, and it was gibberish and kids were like, what is this? And I just had like some <laughs> students like, Oh my God, I should really edit more. Right. And it was, but th- those, those are these authentic things. I think if we, approach that question with how, what are all the ways that I'm encouraging them to publish? I think the goal, I think that is the, what authentic publishing means. Um, and I think that leaves it open for everything there, which is, which is the kind of the cool part. But I think it, I mean, it's like, we have to ask ourselves, why are they publishing because I told them that this specific thing has to happen? Or are they publishing because they have a bunch of options and they're letting their own guidance go? But my this is raises a question I want to pitch to you, which is what happens if the there's a student who's just not motivated to get there? So before we get to Sarah's question of how to take excited kids and get them to close, how do we get kids to even want to uh, attack one of these publishing goals? Like we could have let's say I mean we could have all the goals in the world, but if they're just sitting there staring at you, how do, how do you overcome that by getting them to see the value in that? Because the, even though they might, right? I have kids that come in and like I don't care about this, but once they make the wall ones, now it's a game changer, right? Once they finish a piece and publish, it's a game changer. But sometimes it's hard to get them to latch onto that. So what do you do in that situation? Well, I think that's where at the beginning of and I and I do it throughout, but really towards the beginning where I get them used to sharing and creating that community of writers. And so, uh, and that's why I have so many uh, pre-writings. Every time we begin a unit, uh, a new unit, so, you know, according to the curriculum, uh, every time we begin something new, they have at least four or five pieces that have been started and therefore they can choose. So so when we get there and they start choosing and I let them know whichever one you're going to choose, know that people are going to hear it. So you need to choose one. Well, nobody wants to show up to their circle of friends empty-handed. 
So for the most part, almost everybody will write. Now, I do have some that due to maybe some disabilities or, you know, due to their individualized IEPs or, you know, any kind of learning plan that they have, you know, sometimes that's a little bit different. And then, uh, you know, I just have to modify as and adjust. But for the most part, I'm talking about the 98% of all the other students do not want to come empty handed. So they'll have something. And like you said, after that first time, and I've shared this more than once on the podcast, but I'll always remember that boy where those kids came up to me and said, uh, he's crying. And he was the real tough guy in the class. And he's the one who teared up because for the first time he shared. And now his his paragraph, and that's really all it was, it wasn't even a full page, but he came with something because that was the demand is that you come, or expectation, you come with something. And it turned out to be a very emotional piece. Well, once he realized that everybody else liked his piece, he was like, oh, I'm, I'm in, I'm all in. And it was everything he could do to make it better because, you know, we just worked through that whole entire process. So I typically do it because I try to create this community and, and I conference with the students a lot. And so I will sit there and I know you do too, but when I go by and there's somebody, I had this one student who was actually afraid of school. Like the police had to actually, our officer had to actually carry him to my class and I had him first period and he just was so afraid of school. And I just felt so sorry for him. He would spend some time just sitting in the hall shaking, but uh, I'll never forget this one time I went over there, you know, we're supposed to be writing and he's staring at that blank page. And I, and there's just, the only thing that was on that page were his teardrops because he was frozen. And, you know, I, I know I've shared this before with many people, so I don't know if I've shared it on this, on our, pod, on, on our podcast, but this young man, I, I got down even with him and I said, there's nothing scarier than the blank page. There really isn't. Why don't we start with that sentence? I'm staring at the blank page. And so he wrote it down. And next thing you know, he wrote this wonderful piece Mm -hmm. about how hard it was to write this piece. But he wrote. Now, he wasn't prolific, you know, after that. He still struggled because he had some other issues. But we celebrated that moment when he wrote. I don't think if I'd have ever walked around and did the conferencing, if I would have just sat at my desk or um, paid attention just to those who were writing only, then which uh, honestly I have done before. So it's not everything I say, I've actually done it. And that's why I know it doesn't work. So when I go out and, and, and when I did that, that, that was a memorable piece for me. And that was memorable, I think, for him in the long run. I, I learned now he is probably around 25 or 26 at this point in time. And the last I heard, he graduated high school and he made it to my knowledge. So, uh, but let me tell you, he was terrified of school, much less to have to write. I never did make him, though, uh, share it with the whole group. He always kind of shared with one or two that he trusted. So I modified that way. But that's how I get kids to write. And next thing you know, when they start writing, and that's that's one of the things that's great about our 
our uh, craft and draft system is the more that they see that they have written, the more thick, if you will, their, their work is, the more volume they have, the more they want to do most of the time because they're just, they didn't know they could do it. So it's a confidence builder. I, yeah, I, I love all of that. I, I think I, I can only echo the success of stuff like that where a student might be struggling. Um, yeah, I talk about it in Rightfully Empowered too, but the sitting with kids just kind of over and over again and guiding them through it and trusting the process. And um, it's crazy once it happens. But he, I think the the goal for anyone who's dealing with a lot of reluctant writers or just a few is really just trying to give them that success because the reason they're reluctant is because they haven't had success. They don't understand the the pride you get from finishing a piece or uh, they've just never been able to do it before. Or maybe they've only been able to do it because a teacher guided them so much that they were kind of just riding with training wheels the whole time. Um, which we've said ad nauseum on this show, writing is the most rigorous task that you can do. Um, which is why we get so terrified about letting kids have choice and giving them that freedoms because sometimes mm-hmm. it doesn't work. And sometimes kids buck back because they have to think and they have to, you know, synthesize and do all of this other stuff they have to process. And that is a very difficult, especially if you've never had to do it before. Um, but on the other end, there are kids who are very excited to write. You know, if you have done due diligence and you've gotten kids excited, or maybe they come to you already excited and you're just trying to get them going and they're just never closing out pieces or never finishing. I've had a few of these. Um, I will say to Sarah's question about how to get them through this, how to respect their writer's process while also meeting deadlines is, I mean, legit make deadlines a mini lesson. Talk about writers deal with deadlines all the time. This is what writers deal with. And this is the big problem with writers is that nothing's ever done, right? I don't read once my anything I write's published, like a blog or a book or in, like whatever, right? I don't ever look at it again because I will find something wrong with it. Um, there's I'm going to be crazy about word choice. I have a really weird connection that I just got um, just popped into my head. And stay with me. This is going to be like my Lion King one from the last episode. But so there was <laughs> there was a really weird interview. Uh, oh, not weird. It was a really uh, old interview. Um, I just remember, I mean, this is so old. I, I remember being a kid and this was just always interesting to me, but I believe it was an interview with Christina Aguilera <laughs> and they were asking her, maybe it was Britney Spears. It was one, of, it was one of those pop stars back in the day, right? The early two thousands. And they were asking her, would you ever date like a fan of yours right and they're like yeah sure i guess and they're like okay so what if they like really loved your music you know could you like be in a car jamming to your music knowing that they're a fan or whatever and their comment was well i don't i think it, it would at that point it would bother me because all i'd be doing would be thinking about oh i should have done this here i should have done this note there and so and there's there's movie there's actors right i think johnny depp has talked about how he never goes sees his movies once they're done because he just he it's it's already, he can't change it so there's no reason to watch it cuz he just think about all the things so writers are the same way but we can talk talk about this in many lessons. We can talk about the eventually you have to stop. 
you have to to publish, right? Uh, George R. R. Martin disagrees, which is why he won't close out his novels. Patrick Rothfuss disagrees; he won't close out his last tri- the last book in his trilogy. But most people have to close uh, for some reason, and I think that's a, that's a great way to start. Right is talking about this is what writers do. We we close out a piece eventually, um, and that might be one that you bring back up if kids stop uh, publishing or if they get distracted by something. But also, other than that, is uh, set the soft deadline of this has to be due by this time because I got to get grades in. We do it. We do it all the time. Yeah, <laughs> we always have that conversation. And I, I tell my students, I, I try to split it up evenly. I say one piece every three weeks needs to be done. That way, we can get two in the six weeks. But I don't. That first one is not a hard set. I give them to the whole, the end of the six weeks to do both, um, to accommodate. I try to encourage them. And then always at the end, I'm like, all right, guys, you have two days. Okay, you have one day. All right, you have ten minutes. Right. <laughs> And then even then, I'm like, I know grades aren't due until like three days later. And I'm like, get it to me by the end of the weekend, right? And it's just – but that's – and so I, I, I see nothing wrong with putting that pressure on there because if you are a news – if you're an article writer, you got to have your article done at, at a specific time. If you, your contract, when you sign a book contract, there are dates in there. And they can move. And I think we can be uh, – I think we could accommodate something like that, right? I mm-hmm. we pushed the publishing date back for Rightfully Empowered for uh, a few reasons, um, but so that that can happen, um, and we can allow that in our classroom if if you have the systems in place to do that. But set those dates. Be like, this is this is your publishing date. Make it happen. I don't know what do you got, Miss Ochoa. Well, also another mini lesson that I think is important to do is how to close your piece. So just how to close your piece, how to find the ending, I think is a nice mini lesson that you can do as well. And so then you get the students, like I said on that, when they, when they go in and they revise and all of that stuff, that could be something they could do on the left side of their piece. And they could already have that kind of pre-planned and before they type and and finish it. So you already kind of have them thinking about the ending. And so you teach them that, and then you can do that by giving them many endings. Like you can read endings of informational text. You can read uh, endings of persuasive pieces. You can read endings of stories. You can read great endings. You can read endings, talk about the ones that leave a cliffhanger, talk about the ones that are going to promote a sequel, uh, talk about the ones that have a denouement and they tie up all the loose ends and you find out what everybody else is doing later. So you can, you can do all of those things and then have the students be thinking about their piece. So what are you thinking about? And then that could be another uh, area of, of uh, conference uh, focus for the students that, where they're actually looking at their, their conclusions. How are they going to end it? But yeah, I am, I set the deadlines. I tell them I have a deadline. I have a deadline. These are my deadlines. I have to do progress reports. If you want your, this is what I tell them. If you want your grade reflected (laughs) in that progress report, you got to turn it in by this date because I need at least this many times uh, to grade days to grade it. There was, um, 
I had some students, they had stuff to be turned in and they were like, well, well, I I can't get it all in. I don't think I'm going to get it all in. And I said, well, let's just, let me just give you a lesson real quick. First of all, your, how many pages can you read in three days? How many pages did y'all set? How many pages have y'all been getting done? Well, I can read, you know, 10, 10 pages, you know, in this amount of time. I said, okay. You can read 10 pages. I have 60 students. What, 60 times 10? <laughs> so I told them, I said, that's uh, 10 divided by six. I need at least six days based on your formula to grade these papers. If you want your grade reflected, <laughs> if you want your paper reflected in these grades, I've got to have it in. So I've, yeah, I've done things like that. I've made them do the math because I'm telling them I'm a human person. I have things to do just like they do. I need time to grade it. And uh, so this is why, you know, I need it in. But I typically give them a window and then the hard deadline. So I'm like, I need it here, but I absolutely have to have it by this time. Or I won't be able to grade it. So those are some things I'd, I do as well. Well, I want to, one thing I was thinking about as you were talking and you said it briefly, but um, <clears throat> I think for anyone trying to get their kids to do this, you know, Sarah is still, if she's like, okay, okay. And she's kind of accept this. I think another way to do this is in conferences, right? Is as kids are just kind of getting to those points, just bring it up. I'm like, okay, so how do you think this piece is going to end? Right? <laughs> like Perfect. just start asking those questions and just right. trigger their brains. Like, even if they're like, Oh, I, I got another five pages at least of this story. Right. I can just imagine excited fifth graders writing all kinds of stuff. Right. And I've had those students and it's just like, and that's awesome. It's like, okay, so it, let's, let's keep in mind here. And I've even like for kids who have had, I've had a lot of students take on really big projects mm-hmm. um, where they think they're going to write like this huge story. And some of them do. Um, I'll say, so let's create sections to where at this point you'll have this much done and then we'll consider that published, right? This will be like part one or whatever. And so that might be an easy way to, if they're just really hyper-focused on getting to the end point of some epic story, some odyssey that they're trying to write. Um, just having them say, Hey, by this point, let's have a a piece where you can go back and just polish like this section. Um, and you could even make that if you had enough kids doing that and you wanted to make a mini lesson out of this to kind of do this, talk about serialization of novels that have, Mm -hmm. uh, they, I mean, they might understand, like you could talk about this in comic books, manga is hugely popular. All of those are serialized. Those stories are forever long. There's some of them have hundreds of volumes, um, but they have a publishing date to get them out at a specific time. Uh, that happens over and over again. But even if you wanted to get in some history in here, like the uh, Charles Dickens had, like those novels were published serially to where they just did it in like chunks. And this is why they're so long. This is why I think Bleak House is the name of it. That, that it's like a mm-hmm. thousand page novel because he wrote it in chunks and he got paid per word. Like, of course, those books are going to be huge, right? And so, but serialization has been around. Um, a long time. So that would be a fun mini lesson to actually look at and maybe encourage some of these kids to just think of it that way. It's like, hey, if you're going to write a really long story, how do we serialize that? That way you can keep writing, but you polish these chunks. And that might be just one other way to get kids to start closing out, finishing, um, et cetera. Well, and, and on your idea of sectioning, I mean, is that not what paragraph uh, chapters are? I mean, chapters yeah, are sections, right? like you said. So, so you could like, how did these authors in their sections? How did the authors end their paragraphs? So, just 
uh, not paragraphs, how do they end their chapters? And then that, that could be something you could add to that lesson. Um, uh, but anyway, yeah, no, I, I have, uh, I've had that where the students just keep wanting to go and go and go. And it's like, Hey, look, we got to find an ending. Where can we, <laughs> you know, let's, let's see, where's a great place where you can just stop. Uh, sometimes that's what an ending is, is stopping. If I know she had mentioned nonfiction. So if kids are tr- like just writing a lot for their like nonfiction pieces for whatever reason, mm-hmm. um, talk about, this could be another mini lesson is talk about how articles are usually like when they do, when people are writing articles, they, there's a word limit. Like I had someone reach out recently, um, to, uh, to have me write an article for a website. And they said, we generally publish, we want about 1500 words or whatever. Now that might be kind of long for fifth graders. Um, but you could figure out like in their words, like maybe 300 is like 300 words that they actually type. Like maybe that is their goal for their article or whatever. And you can kind of just mm-hmm. give them a range and that'll even, that's a really authentic thing. Cause that's real world. Word counts right. is definitely something that is all about publishing. If you open up, um, they used to be called, I think they're called like the writer's marketplace. They're huge books. You can, most people buy them digitally now because they update them every year. But in in those, it was like for short stories, it was like a thousand to 2000 words or whatever. And talk Mm -hmm. about how different novel, if it's fiction, then, you know, short stories, novels, novelettes, uh, novellas, all of that stuff is different word counts. So that is another authentic mini lesson slash conference slash goal setting thing that you can do with your kids. You just got to have to figure out if you want to be that specific, I think you just got to figure out what it looks like. Cause I know a lot of kids write big. So what is might be 10 pages in their journals really might only be a hundred words. So you kinda, <laughs> you have to figure right. that out. Uh, your mileage may vary if you go that route. Well, and another thing too, is you could, if you have uh, prolific writers, let them go ahead and write everything out and then say, okay, now we need to make it this and it has to be shorter than what they've done and now Mm. you're actually doing revision they have to get rid of words there's nothing harder than to get rid of that word and find a new word i do it on twitter all the time well i know you do (laughs) (laughs) i know you you do that but it's hard when you when you write something and you have to limit it and you have to you start figuring out okay what words don't need to be here it's a good lesson that is a great lesson. So that's a that's another one. And plus, that really helps them with comprehension. You could have them do that with somebody's writing, uh, maybe like a give them, like you said, an informational text and then have them shorten it by paraphrasing it or whatever, and then have them do it to their own writing. So those oh are some God. things that are that are good lessons for the kids to I'm, have. Go ahead. I was going to say, I'm going to do that this week. I'm going to give them something. Uh, and like, you know, like a, like a paragraph or like, you know, a two sentences or whatever, like we can do, we can start off small, mm-hmm. um, but, and then be like, all right, make this more streamlined, right? Revise right. this to make it shorter without losing any of the meaning. I think the that's meaning. a great idea because mm-hmm. that's what, that's Thor- what it's all about. Right. Thorough, but brief. Uh, the other thing too is um, this week I, I ended up having to cover a class for for science and of course science is all informational right so going back to the idea of informational and getting the students to write and uh, this I don't know whether 
don't know if this is truly authentic, so I may be going off topic a little bit, but I found it fascinating. I told the students, I said, so what have y'all been learning? Someone says, minerals. And I said, oh, rocks and minerals. So how many different types of minerals are, I mean, how many different types of rocks? And how many of you have learned about the Mohs uh, scale of uh, hardness scale and blah, blah, blah. And then they were like, some of them could answer it and some of them had, you know, like, what? And so I said, okay, so here's what you're going to do. You're going to write about, you can't look, but you're going to write about everything you've learned in science. And so they pulled up a Google Doc because that's what they had with them. And they had their computers with them. So they pulled up a Google Doc and they started writing. They were all telling me, I can't think of anything. And they would be on like, and these are sixth graders. Anyway, they would only have like maybe two sentences and they can't think of anything else. I went, oh no, you know more. Have you not ever picked up a rock and looked at it? Why don't we talk about that? Your own experiences. And so then they were like, oh, okay. And the next thing you know, they were, and then I would walk around. Oh, I can't think of anything. Oh no. Yes, you can. Did you not learn about? Oh, I did. Okay. So then when they got, I walked around looking at about where they were writing. Didn't write. Some of them wrote a lot. Some of them didn't. And then, but when I got satisfied, I said, okay, now read over your writing and now put in pictures and anything that supports what you said and add any kind of knowledge you think you need to add based on what you've learned. So look at all your notes and write about it and put in your, you know, make it look like an article. And so that's what I did. And these were sixth graders and they were like calling me over. I mean, I couldn't, I didn't get to, I wouldn't sit at my desk as their substitute. I was actually, they were raising their hands, come over here, look at what I did, look at what I did. And so I think it became authentic for them because I let them start choosing some of their stuff that they did, but it was based on things that they've been learning. So I would say maybe that could be another approach that uh, going back to that first question, that could be another approach that Sarah might could, could do because I know in fifth grade, uh, some of those kids, some of the teachers have to teach, I don't know if Sarah does, but some of the teachers have to teach more than one subject because they have those kids I mean she might they might be moving but there are some elementaries that have those kids all day long and all the different subjects so that could be one way to handle that informational text with their other subjects I think it's great I think uh I don't know yeah I think it's and it's a wonderful way for here hopefully Sarah got some good solutions here hopefully everyone did if you're having trouble getting kids authentically engaged or whatever maybe maybe we just change what we mean let's go into this i'm glad we got to do this explore what that means explore some authentic topics and then talk about the multitude of ways we create authentic reasons to actually finish if you like this podcast subscribe so don't miss anything release a podcast every single friday leave a review if you extra extra enjoyed it share this with whoever if you want to be uh someone who supports this show on a deeper level slash get your questions ahead slash get access to bonus episodes that no one else hears you got to join us over there on patreon at patreon.com slash craft and draft you can find that link at craft and draft workshop.com or you can just search patreon and craft and draft you can find us just like sarah amy mark leah brandy and alicia did they are our patreon supporters they make sure this show stays alive and well and they get first dibs on questions slash our bonus episodes so if you want more craft and draft then go over there, check it out. Thank you for listening. Come back next week for another fantastic episode, ladies and gentlemen, and know that we are here for you.